Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Hello, Mojo Sports fans, and welcome to another episode of the In Focus Show. My name is Lainey, and one of the uh, panelists here on the In Focus Show. As we continue through season two of In Focus, we continue to speak to guests in and around sport, taking a bit more of a deep dive into their lives, background, journey, and aspirations. We're keen to hear not just about the professional achievements and credentials of our guests, but hear more about the things beyond their sporting pursuits. We're using this forum to reveal a little bit more about our fellow Mojo Sports panelists, so our listeners get to hear more about and from the voices that they hear on the Mojo Sports shows. Our guest today is a new member of the Mojo Sports family, and she's a panelist on Mojo's NRL show. She's an all-around sports lover with an interesting professional background in rugby union, NRL, and now in cricket. Our listeners can expect a lot of valuable insight and analysis of the game, and perhaps even some of the commercial and statistical aspects in sports management from her. Bulavinaka, hello and welcome to the show, Deidre Roruduri. Hello, hello. What an amazing <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, we are grateful to have you as a guest and also welcome to mm. the Mojo family. Um, Deidre, where are you sitting at the moment? I can, for those of you who are listening, probably cannot see this, but Deidre is sitting in front of what looks like a wall of famous white men. <laughs> um, they are. They are famous white men. Um, I'm sitting in the Players' Pavilion here at the Wacker Ground, um, right in the heart of East Perth, WA, Western Australia. Um, well. And behind me here, just so that our, our players can be really excited as they come out of the sheds, is our list of historical WA cricket captains, male captains, might I add. Um, and you're correct. The the photos are in, in black and grey and white, but they are all Caucasian. Right. Okay. That's all right. Hopefully in the next few years we'll start to see a little bit more colour added oh, to that look, wall. I'm here, so it's a hell of a That's lot true. more colour. <laughs> That's true. Now, you mentioned you're in WA. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been in WA? So I came, uh, I landed and had to do two weeks of quarantine. So I've been out and free in WA since the 1st of October. Um, well, Nice, uh, October 2020. Uh, so okay. it's been almost two full years of being here and it's been really exciting. Definitely okay. very different to, to out east in, in Sydney. Yes. Oh, so yeah, you were here in Sydney East. So, um, okay. So did you ever support the Roosters uh, when you were here in Sydney? I will never support the Roosters. Um, My brother Jeremiah (laughs) is a loud and proud Roosters member um, and Mm -hmm. will always be. Um, But no, I I am not a supporter of the Roosters. I am a supporter of the New South Wales Boys. Uh, But we'll go into what teams I support later. I'm sure a lot well, of I mean, like, let up. me ask you now, who do you support? I mean, I mean, you're on the NRL show, but I mean, is it sometimes hard to not have a particular bias with who you go for? But who are your teams? Who do you support? I am a born and bred seagull. We are right. seagulls through and through. My dog's got a seagull pet membership. Um, we are seagulls. 
<laughs> okay. okay, so Sea Eagles for NRL. Do mm. you also support rugby union at all or just I NRL? Do. So in the NRL we go Sea Eagles and obviously the Blues. I believe blue. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll be here at the uh the state of origin out here in in, in what six weeks time, uh, which will be very that exciting. That should be exciting. Um yeah. I am completely Tars up the Waratahs um, mm-hmm. and the Wallabies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we want to go down through every sport, I, I pretty much support every Sydney-based team. <laughs> You've got the okay. Sydney Swans, the GWS Giants, um, obviously the Swifts, the New South Wales Swifts, but when it comes to cricket, I am a scorcher. Perth Scorchers and WA Cricket. Wow. Oh, that's excellent. Well, you're in the right <laughs> place for cricket. I really am. Oh, excellent. Well, I was going to say, let's get um, kicked off. Um, we've already heard who you support. So that sort of paints a little bit of a background about you and I guess sort of paves the way so we know what to um, listen out for <laughs> with your responses. Um, so take us back um, about growing up, your family, your school, um, any particular interests and what drew you to sport? Um, how have you come to be a part of that? So I grew up in a a Fijian family, right? I grew up in a very, I might say a little bit different um, for our time. I'm I'm now obviously in my early 30s, but at the time growing up in a Fijian family where my parents did not speak Fijian at home, we learned when we were on holidays and you'd got to go out and, and go back and visit your village in Fiji and you'd hear everybody speaking the language and you'd pick it up. But um, I grew up uh, the oldest child of a father who was a data science engineer and a mum who was mm-hmm. an English teacher. Um, yeah. Both my parents are now teachers, both still teaching. Um, yes. But uh, we did not grow up with uh, language at the heart, uh, Fijian language. Uh, we spoke English at home. Um, and, and I'm very proud to say that my siblings and I have obviously learned a lot more about our culture as we've grown up. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came to sport, it was just remember every Friday Arvo where you'd finish school and you'd go down to the tuck shop and my dad would let us pick out whatever snacks we wanted. Friday nights was always your snacks and treats because we would sit down to watch the Super Rugby. So yeah, right. you'd have it on on on, on pay TV at the time um, and he'd sit there and he'd have his mates over and your bowl of carver. And they'd be drinking while mm. we had his mate's friends with us and we'd be running around the house with our snacks and our treats and our sugar. And that was our thing. And um, as we grew up, obviously, with a lot of Islander families and a lot of Islander people now can probably relate is that your parents put you into a lot of sport. So yeah. I got thrown into to netball quite a bit. Um, and managed to play up to a, a pretty good level. Um, my siblings both both played sport. Um, it's probably a little bit of a way to keep you out of trouble. Um, <laughs> and it, I look, I completely agree. My parents had the same thing. Yeah. It so works. Everything. Yeah, you were too tired to do anything else because you were That's just true. training and sport on the weekends. Um, and obviously coming from a, a background where my parents were very big on our education and pushing us to the nth degree, um, I had a dad, I have a dad who is a little bit controlling. So when it came to selecting what career move, my dad did it for me. I got my mm. at the time UAI results and he sat and pushed me off the seat and sat in front of the computer and went through and selected which degree I did, and that was a sports degree. 
and sport <laughs> management and commercial business. So that's that's what I did. Um, yeah, so wow. I was lucky enough to be part of the very first intake at UWS um, mm-hmm. in MacArthur. And we were my classmates and I, and a lot of them still work um, in and across the country and internationally in sporting organisations, which is great. So I'm, wow. I'm lucky to have friends who um, management roles at the Swans and at the Roosters and at the NRL um, just happen to have done uni together. Yeah, wow. It's great to have that um, sort of alumni, fellow alumni who are sort of in and around the biz still and and I guess you can sort of call upon and even you know, banter a little bit about, you know, what you're noticing as differences, you know, in each particular code, but also like um, you're keeping in touch with that network to see um, what's working and not working as well to help each other out. Absolutely. That's great. Mm. That's great. Um, so just for the people who might be listening and don't know what Carver is, could you please explain uh, what Carver is? Carver is a relaxant. Technically, mm-hmm. it's a muscle relaxant. Um, mm. I believe that the All Blacks use it, um, or they did for a while post-matches, and you'd see the trainers coming around with a cup of kava for them while they're all sitting in their ice baths at the end of a match. Um, mm-hmm. Kava is a drink that comes out of a root crop, um, and it's literally like liquid weed. It's just yeah, it's a proper muscle relaxant. You get nice and calm. You're chilled out. Um, your muscles relax a little bit, your heart rate drops a little bit, not to dangerous levels, but enough that you're just in a very happy place. That's right. Your tongue goes numb if you've had too much. Oh, disgusting. It tastes disgusting for those who want to give it a go. It is legal. Um, So you can can have a a bowl of kava, mix it in with some water, but make sure you get a good islander friend to do it for you. Yeah, you, you obviously need experienced supervision yeah. if you are going to imbibe at all, anyone who's listening. Um, and so I'm just thinking back to that Friday night, that sort of, mm. you know, obviously kids are on sugar, dad's on kava, <laughs> quite relaxed watching. It would have been, I reckon, an interesting and very entertaining evening for everyone. Oh, I, I just remember being like 10 years old and my mom is screaming at me because she's gas bagging with, um, you know, her mates on the kitchen table while they're all snacking away. And my dad's sitting on the floor because you don't drink kava sitting up on the couch. You drink it on the floor. That's correct. Um, That's correct. With the TV on and me and my mates are going in and out of, of the kitchen and running around the backyard with my mom screaming to keep the door shut because you're letting the air out as you do. Um so it's it was one of the highlights of your week because you spent your whole week as a child. You go to school, you do the usual thing, you're up early. Um, but, you know, dad picks you up after school and the first thing you do is you go to the tuck shop and we can pick out our snacks and you just wait for your mates to come over. There's no cooking yeah. dinner, there's nothing, you're just running amok. <laughs> uh, look, it's like you say, you know, you're kind of staying out of trouble really, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like you mentioned before that um, you did a little bit of netball. I mean, I'm guessing that's not your only sporting interest um, that you had growing up. I'd say you played other um, sports. I did. I did. I even, um, while I was at uni, as you do, you, you've got multiple jobs um, to keep you going and out of trouble. But I, I, um, I coached at MLC and I was a, a cricket coach 
Um, I was a netball coach. I I ended up playing state league netball at quite a young age and and managed to get up to state league Div 1 when I was only 16, which was was a lot of effort. Um, And I played that for a couple of years while you're, you're doing uni and you're going to your physio appointments and you're shoe appointments and your everything so um I managed to get up to a good level but obviously um my education took uh, a front step a front, a front seat and everything yeah. else took the back seat um yeah yeah but yeah uh, everything for us was sport it's the weekends were based on which footy match were we going to watch um, yeah right you'd go down and you know you'd get at the time you could bring in your little esky into the stadium with your drinks and your sandwiches so you'd you'd do that you'd um it was if we couldn't get to the game what we're watching on tv how we can yeah. this around sport yeah it's interesting you're, you're kind of always in and around it aren't you yeah um and like, I'm just going to ask because um, one of the questions I did want to ask you about was um, how you balance career studies and sport. I mean, obviously you want to, you know, you want to still do the sports stuff because you love doing it. But you found like this happy medium here where, I mean, you've got a, uh, you know, you've got qualifications and a degree in sports in which you can sort of do them both but I mean like you said um, after a while the sports involvement and participation has to take a back seat how did you cope with the juggling obviously the expectations from your family too look I'll be honest my mum was happy with me um, and she was happy that I was doing that and um, obviously putting my education first Uh, my Mm -hmm. dad did not speak to me for I want to say six months because he was really upset with me for for not having you know continued that and um at the end of the day you know you can have it all but sometimes your uni classes and lectures are not going to align with your training sessions and that's true sessions and you also want to make sure um obviously me growing up and and doing a degree that I was doing I wanted to make sure that I was working in jobs that allowed me to get some insight into what it was like from the high performance whether it's coaching the community cricket team or your local netball team or footy team or you're volunteering for this event or this event or you're involved in some way because it does throw your foot in the door um, yeah. But it does mean that you start to see the bigger picture outside of what you're doing in, in class. Yeah, so true, so true. And and that way you're able to sort of see in practice, obviously, the the- but you know, with the theory that you're learning. Um, so as I think about it now, you know that I have done some some you know sort of professional sleuthing um, about your background now now I see that you've um, had quite a bit of experience actually working in sports clubs can you um, you know give us a bit of a background on um, your you know career um, especially because it is quite interesting that which I alluded to in the introduction yeah so um, starting off at uni you're encouraged uh, to get an internship um, at some of these organizations obviously being getting an internship in an NRL club when you're based in Sydney is huge. It's lucrative, right? Um, we'll all be honest. Rugby league is obviously so much more popular in New South Wales than it is in in some other states, uh, New South Wales and Queensland. But um, I, I managed to get in my foot in the door and get myself a job um, at the gym in Canterbury and slowly worked my way up into <laughs> into club life and club land. Um, yes. And it wasn't without, obviously, its its sacrifices and its time and effort, but I started in just working at the gym 
all I did yeah. was the receptionist there said hello to you in the morning as you came in make sure you made it to your class and if anyone else had anything to say you know go speak to the boss it's not my problem um, yeah but uh yeah it was it was from there that you start to we got to know everyone that worked within Clubland across the commercial space um mm-hmm. and then you went into your merchandising space and that's when I got into merchandise and membership and then worked my way up um from there then I'd obviously taken up a role at NROHQ Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't fully go into my entire LinkedIn profile. That's for everyone to look up. So feel free to go ahead. Um, but, um, you know, it, once, once your foot's in the door and, and yeah. you have that experience, you, it's in sport, what's interesting about it when you're looking at it off of the pitch, off of the field, it's not so much what you know, it's who you know. Um, yes. And yes. it's it's so incredibly deep and it's so incredibly rooted in this entire industry. Like I said, I um, we I have friends that I went through uni with who are now working yeah. at these clubs. Uh, one who's working at LA Rams in in the states, and and he wow. was New York Knicks before that. But you know, if I wanted to go over there, I could just yeah call them up message so um or you know obviously some of the perks the work perks the things like tickets to matches and being able to attend and things like that for and and it's always who you know when they see see you've done a good job and they see that you have really really hard work you really really have a good work ethic it makes it a lot easier for for you to move up in that industry and that's sort of what I did through Clubland went to the NRL. Obviously, had a, a nice, really deep, fun stint at Rugby Australia, and mm-hmm. then um, the old head coach of the Bulldogs was going back home to the Seagulls. So we all followed him there. Um, wow! And it was interesting. My old boss's boss at the NRL was at the Seagulls, so she gave me a call and said, "I'd like you to come down. Would you be interested in this?" And that's how it sort of again. Not what you know so much, but who you know. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I love how you've described that pathway um, of, you know, where you are now and how you got there. And, like, look, me, myself, I know that um, it really is about who you know, especially in sport. And, and definitely, definitely there's a lot um, of value to be taken, especially from anyone listening who's, like, looking to sort of follow a similar career path as yours. You know, it is about going and doing all the volunteering, you know, meeting people, understanding, um, you know, just like you said, that big picture, um, how it all fits together. And, of course, like you said, hard work, you get recognised, you get a tap on the shoulder, you get an in. But, yeah, definitely. Oh, no, I like that. Um, was there any particular um, sort of um, one of those jobs that, um, that you know, that where you work that you can sort of look back and say that was my favourite place to work or is it a case of you don't know who's going to be listening to this podcast? Oh, later? I don't care who's listening at this stage. <laughs> everyone listening, shoot me a message. It's fine. We can talk it out. But um, <laughs> every organisation that I've worked at allowed me to deepen the amount of skills and just fully become an ace of spades across an entire business right and again I'm talking about off the field I might you know I I went from I was doing things like marketing campaigns on our own because every as as most people may not know um 
in rugby league in a lot of sports they don't get the same funding as other private organizations so what you find is the staff behind the scenes are working multiple roles and doing you know yes. everything um but what that does is that makes you literally an ace of spades so yeah not a jack yeah. of all trades you're an ace of spades i want to say because you are doing so much to try to get this this thing ahead so i don't I don't want to pick a favorite, but um, I have to say the place where I learned the most and where I found that some of the skills that were dormant um, in my mind and some of the behaviors and attitudes, and we can touch on that later, some of the the attitudes I had to adopt, um, I learned the most from was at the Sea Eagles. Yeah, right, right, yeah. And um, so if I just like continue down that particular um, thread. So, I mean, it's, this is obvious to you and I who are looking at each other on this um, screen, but to anyone who might be listening, you're a woman of colour. Mm. So you're Fijian, of, like Fijian descent, born in Australia. So um, like I know what I sort of encountered, um, you know, in, in my career and things that I observed. But um, tell me, what are some of the challenges um, that, you know, any, if there were any, that um, you noticed when you were advancing in your career? Because, like, sport is quite male-dominated. Mm. Um, like, trying to stand out, um, I imagine, would be, like, a daily thing. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if we have enough time to go through all the challenges because there are so many. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't just that... I had color on my skin it was also because I have a vagina so me going into a boardroom and sitting across the room from a CEO was um, unheard of or they would look to you and give you their coffee order and you're going mm. you know the coffee order is I'm assuming somebody else I'm actually here because I'm presenting something to you so yes. I've had situations where I had someone who um who was a lot higher up in the organization than I was and we'd had some back and forth and this person was being challenged and he was a, a middle-aged white male um and I was assisting with a few different things and his way of sort of trying to trying to impress on me that he was senior 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 um Mm -hmm. three levels up to me was give me his coffee order yeah um in a room full of people I just I I don't know who you're talking to it's you know two o'clock in the afternoon you've got two legs Mm -hmm. and two arms and I'm sure you can make yourself down take yourself down to cafe and order a coffee Mm -hmm. and that comment that I'd said out loud you've got two legs and two arms you can take yourself down get a coffee wasn't taken very nicely um but I did not apologize I there are going to be times for anyone who's listening who finds themselves in a situation where they feel like they're at the bottom of the ladder or they're trying to prove yourself there is Mm -hmm. never a moment where you need to roll over and take it there's never going to be that moment and you may get backlash for sticking up for yourself you may get a side eye if the you put a bit too much bass in your voice when you have an opinion yeah. to share but I I've obviously had moments where I kept my mouth shut as I was going up in my in in my career and as I was trying to to work through um the business and try to make sure that I just fit with the business organizations and and all its strategy and its role and our goal for the year <laughs> but sometimes you're gonna have to step up and say something yeah yeah 
you can't always be within the lines. You've got to step out of the lines sometimes to be true to yourself. Absolutely. So, no, I absolutely hear you there, you know, word. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just on that particular hmm. story, hmm. um, did he ever apologise to you after? He never apologised, but he uh, stepped, I want to say stepped down is probably the polite way of saying it, two weeks later. Um, mm-hmm. He had gone out of the organisation and he was, you know, second to the CEO. Um, wow. Which was a, a big role. But um, obviously I wasn't the only person whose feathers he was ruffling at the time. I just happened mm-hmm. to be the one with all the data and knew what was going on and just had the loudest mouth or the biggest mouth, I should say. Um but there've been, you know, situations where, and I'll share this, where um, a previous NRL CEO who who couldn't attend a couple of CEO only events that the NRL was hosting had me go on his behalf. Yeah, right. So yeah, right. if you can imagine 2019 and 20 and the start of 2020, where you've got um, a room full of. 15 NRL CEOs, our one at the time couldn't attend and there I am, the only woman in the room. Yeah, right. In the room. I'm obviously also about 20 years younger than the youngest male CEO that was in the room. Um, Right. And if I could share exactly which CEOs were kind to me and which ones were not, that would just (laughs) flip the page. But there have been those situations where, you know, you've worked hard enough that, you know, someone who runs the organisation trusts you to go and represent them and the club, but then you get there and you realise, okay, this is bigger than me. (laughs) Yeah. Can I not? Yeah, I, I I would liken it to uh, being selected for Origin and then getting oh there. And yeah, selected to Origin and I signed up to be the water boy and not, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not, not funny. Back. But that's what it felt so, like. And like, so you said that you're the one that does the statistics and um, you, you know, and the data. So I mean, like your particular background. I mean, like, and, and I alluded to this in the intro. I mean, you've got obviously an analytical mind mm. um, which is required for several of the roles that you work in um, can you describe a little bit to people um, about you know that particular aspect of your role and also just I mean it's it's not exactly a role that I think many people would be you know no. hoping for or like you know dry, striving towards but you know please I'd like to yeah. hear um, what's involved so um it's funny, if you go into, into any sporting organisation, into clubland or a state organisation and you walk in, a lot of the roles that take up the most amount of work is your data insights person, the person who's mm-hmm. reporting on everything. And mm-hmm. this role, while it seems like what the hell is data insights, it's not just the information that comes off of the players, you know, material and all the stuff that they've got on them no no it's not just that stuff you're talking about the who buys the stuff online what time of the day are they buying how often are they buying are they buying more than one products online are they buying memberships are they buying tickets do they buy family tickets now is the person buying the mum the dad the child the friend are they buying for all their friends and so what you're finding is the dad the person who's who's got all the data that collects the data what I did was put it into language that we could understand the boardroom we could Mm -hmm. then build a profile on who exactly loves 
St. George Illawarra Dragons. How often yes. are they buying their scarves, T-shirts and jerseys online? Every time they release a new jersey and most people release, most clubs release four jerseys a year, I believe. Yes. Who's buying them and who's bought them all? Now, of that yes. person who's buying it, are they buying it for themselves? Is the size changing? Are they buying it for their husbands? Is, is yeah, she right. buying it for her children? Is she buying it for her friends? Does she also have a membership? Does she work for an organisation who happens to be a corporate sponsor as well? Yeah, right. How is the evolution of sport, right? Everyone talks about what happens on the field, but they don't understand. And one of the biggest things I've learned is a lot of the time premierships are won in the boardroom. They're not won on the field. You need to win them in the boardroom first. You need to win them in the office first. And that then translates onto the pitch. Yeah, right. That's actually very interesting. And I imagine there'd be a lot of information to sort through and there's a lot there that would even inform a lot of the decisions that the club would be pursuing and when it comes to investment um and i think um also interesting because it will give them a lot of info about um the loyalty of their fans and i think that the fans are the ones who are you need to get engaged the most um which is interesting gosh your days must be very very interesting uh obviously a lot of they can fascinating be. things to look over yeah they can be and I think if somebody spent you know a day behind the scenes at any footy club at any NRL club you'd probably like personally I would never speak to a fan I will happily if you had something to say an opinion and they needed to escalate it I'll happily talk to you if you were a member or a corporate sponsor because you're somebody mm-hmm. who then put your money and backed the club if you're yes. just a big fan who's on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and you're posting all of this stuff, don't talk to me. I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that makes sense because you obviously want to engage with the people who are properly invested. And and the yeah. data that a lot of these clubs will do is to collect to find out who those people are. Yeah. What's interesting is um, the obviously we tend to see a lot of people that look like us on the field, hmm. um, not so many um, in the office in the background. Uh, look, are there, uh, is it a growing group um, in your I, office or as you've sort of um, observed along the way? I'm going to say no. Um, and it's such a, it's such a shame because as a brown skinned woman, I found that, you know, you look at the pitch and it's almost what, 60 to 70% of players that are on the field come from a background that's not Australian. It's not Mm. a Caucasian background. They come from a multicultural background. Um, And I'll be frank and say that that wasn't the same behind the scenes that I found myself. Sometimes I'd be in meetings where I'm the only woman or I'll be in meetings where I'm the only brown woman. And that's um, what you find is a lot of the times people will either try to hush you or they may not take you too seriously or they might label you something because what you say and how you say it is it doesn't fit their status quo. Yeah. But no, it's a shame. I'd, I'd love to see that grow more. And I'm hoping that, you know, other young women and other young men from different backgrounds, from all cultural backgrounds, feel that drive to do more, be more, but represent themselves, represent their culture in the office. You don't have to be, just because you're a Pacific Islander doesn't mean that you have to play rugby, rugby league as a living. That's not, you don't have, you, can, right. you don't have to do that. You can go and be CEO of a major corporate organization. 
That's right. There are many other roles within sports in which you can certainly take up. Absolutely. Thank you. That's actually really good advice. And I think a, a good sort of reminder as well, because, I mean, look, you, myself, you know, being Samoan, uh, my parents were all about, you know, sports nice, but, you know, education first, you know, um, like, like that. it was always a reminder that, you know, you could easily get injured. And if that's all you've got going for you, you've got nothing to fall back on if you don't have the education. So education first. Um, and look, you can have it both if you, if you, you know, you, you can have it, you can still have your sporting life. It just doesn't necessarily have to mean you putting on some boots and a jersey to get there, basically. Absolutely. I and that. I think um, there's so many missed opportunities when it comes to the sporting world and the sporting background. And a few things that I wish is that a lot of clubs across every sport provided some sort of financial advice for a lot of the players that we Next time on the In Focus show, we keep the questions rolling and bring to you part two of our interview. Part of why that's such a big deal for me is because I found that I had to fight tooth and nail to make my voice heard, that Mm. I had to go and say, here, look at all of my achievements. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.